0: Welcome to Calvary Chapel of Columbia, where we're unpacking God's truths one verse at a time. And now here's Pastor Tim with today's message. Luke chapter 10 this morning. We're going to finish up this chapter, and it is quite a lesson, let me tell you. Stand with me if you would. We're going to read uh, Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38. Hear the word of the Lord. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. And Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And we ask, God, that you would help us to see what it is that you would speak to our hearts this morning. Our hearts are open to you, Lord. We want to know what you would have for us this morning. We ask that your spirit would come and just teach us. How to not get distracted in life. How to make good choices. How to choose the good portion this morning. Which is Jesus. Come help us see you clearly today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. We all know that life is full of choices. I mean, from the time that you get up in the morning, the alarm goes off, to the time that you lay your head down at night, you're faced with making millions of choices. Should you brush your teeth today? Should you take a shower? What should you wear? What should you eat for breakfast? And so on and so forth. It's estimated that you're faced with nearly 35,000 choices or decisions daily. As an adult, 35,000 a day. You just got to make decisions. You got to make decisions. You got to make choices. What am I going to do? Am I going here or am I going there? Do I do this first or do I do that first? Uh, do I spend my time here or do I invest it over here? All kinds of different things going on on any given day. Now, children, you guys have much less of a burden. You only have to make about 3,000 choices a day. No wonder adults want to be like children these days because it reduces the quantity of choices. You know, it's like, I don't know, there's just too many. I don't, I don't look at the Starbucks menu and I'm like, Whoa. That's too much. There are too many choices. Just make it simple for me. Yeah, I just want a couple. Because we're overloaded with choices. We're overloaded with, all, with the decisions that we make. Now, choices are a given in life. It's, but, but how we choose, the quality of our choice, if you will, good or bad, that's what really matters at the end of the day. What we choose and how we choose it. It's the quality that matters at the end of the day. Because how we choose, listen, ultimately, determines where we go in life. You know that? How we choose ultimately determines where, determines where we go in life. Choices are like a street in a city. They lead somewhere. Sometimes to a beautiful beach and sometimes to a dead end. How we choose matters. Listen, I've learned by experience that it's a bad choice not to brush your teeth in the morning. I mean, it, it, maybe you can agree. My wife would totally agree with you. I got like dragon breath, man. You know, my toothbrush is praying that I don't wake up in the morning. They're just like, man, please don't. i got to get prescription Tic Tacs. But, but the reality is, is that it's a bad choice for me to do that. I look in my closet and I think, what was I thinking when I bought this shirt? You know, I was reflecting back on, you know, as a child, you know, when I was in seventh grade, I was popping and locking, and so I was wearing parachute pants. And I was thinking, I, today I'm thinking, that was a bad idea to wear parachute pants back in the day. Um, You know, I've eaten things for breakfast that would make many of your stomachs turn. For instance, like one of my favorite things to eat back in the day was uh, 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 hot dogs with Velveeta cheese on a tortilla at like 6.30 in the morning. I mean, who does that? Listen, that is not a good choice. It's a terrible (laughs) choice. And I I have the blockage to prove it, I promise you. Now, Now, you know, I have made some good choices in my life, too. Like, I do take showers a lot. I like to take a couple showers a day, something you don't know about your pastor, you just learned a day. Tom and Cindy will will definitely tell you I'm a clean freak. I have OCD about taking showers. I'm weird that way, just just the way that I am. How do they know that? You're probably thinking, wait a second, what's going on? They're kind of in it. No, no, we went on vacation with them one time, so they know that about me. But enough about my hygiene wardrobe and my diet. Here's the idea is that we are faced with all kinds of choices in life. Moral choices. We're faced with ethical choices. We're faced with spiritual choices. And these choices will lead us somewhere. The title of this week's message is choosing the good portion. Choosing the good portion. Jesus teaches us what it looks like to choose the good portion. What is the good portion? It's living Life at the feet of Jesus. That is the good portion. He is the good portion. It's investing in everything we have in Him. It's sitting at His feet. It's not departing for a much lesser and, let me just say, deceivingly more satisfying experience in the moment, but to die to self and to live at His feet. That's what the good portion is. It's a choice. And listen, the enemy knows that. He knows it's a choice. So what does he do? He knows your flesh is weak. So he tempts the flesh. He tempts the flesh. He he tries to bring in distractions that will cause you to depart from the feet of Jesus onto the road of busyness that essentially will accomplish nothing in eternity. There are so many Christians that are in the prison of busyness, doing nothing for God at all, but they think they are, because they go to church, and they, they 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 do certain things. They're they're not they're Christians, but they've been sidelined. They they've been put on the bench, distracted, and it's so easy for the enemy to get us because he knows our weakness. He knows our weakness is. And He throws the proverbial dangling carrot before us and we oftentimes, if we're not careful, if we're not intentional about the way that we're living our lives, we'll just follow along. And no telling how far off track you'll get before you realize, what am I doing here? Where am I, Lord? Where are You? We know the Lord never departs from us. It's us who depart from Him the enemy is smart enough to know that he's not going to throw the dangling carrot of a huge moral failure or some sort of ethical you know stealing or embezzling or something like that before many of us some of that does work in some cases but for some of us it's a matter of choosing something that's good over something that's far better You mean something that's good whatever it might be your job your family Whatever. These, these are all really good things that God gives us, but yet the enemy can, can use these things to turn us away and cause us to depart from his feet. How skillful is that to get us to get our blinders on, to, to depart the feet of Jesus, and we think all the while we're sitting at his feet. He's the master illusionist, and we have to beware. Notice it's a choice. He doesn't get to choose. You get to choose. You get to choose what you do with your life, how you spend your time, where you invest. But He, He gets to constantly try and draw you away. That's His portion. That's what He does in this world. But the choice is yours. Listen. The enemy will never, ever cause you to do anything. He'll just tempt you. That's why it's important to keep our eyes fastened on Jesus Christ. To keep our eyes fixed upon Him. Because you will be challenged every day of your life to to depart from His feet. And once you've departed, He's got you right where He wants you. He didn't care if you do bad things. That's not His deal. He just wants you to stop you from doing even the good things that you're doing. Growing in the Lord. Being a light in the world. Man, so caught up in the world that I departed the feet of Jesus. I see this with Christians and jobs all the time. And, and I was there myself. I know how it is. Oh Lord, I'm praying for this and that and I'm praying for this business and, and I'm praying that we get this customer. I'm praying that you know, I get this job. I'm praying that, that you, you allow me to use my talents in this way so that I can, so that I can be more use more for you. And the enemy goes, yeah, yeah, just keep praying that. Just keep praying that. And then, and then the job comes. The customer shows up, whatever it might be. And, and you're faced with the busyness that it creates. Now the question is, how do I manage it? But Lord, I know that, I know that you, you gave me a, a better job, a better position with more pay so that I could take care of my family. Good thing. So that I could you know, get out of debt. Great thing. So that I could give more, Lord. Great thing. And yet I don't have any time for you, Jesus. Does, does the Lord need you to, to be the provider or is He the provider? Does He need your money to, um, you know, to, to give to Him? Is he, is he banking on, man, if we don't hit the tithe number this week, we're in big trouble? Is that how He works? Or has He just said, hey, it's your, your opportunity. To, you know, it's, it's a discipline for sure. But is God banking on that? Where he guides he provides God is the provider not us and so if we look at life in that through that lens and we think that all the weights on our shoulders it's easy for us to get distracted people get in the job and they get busy and they get so focused on the job that their Bible study starts slipping they don't have time to spend you know on their knees anymore very much you know and then it's like I can't make the a week week I can't get together in a, a home group or a or anything like that because I'm so busy, or I, I, can't, I don't have time to serve God on the weekends because I'm just shot when I show up to church, man. But you know what? Praise the Lord, I got the job. And I left. And I, and I departed the feet of Jesus. I didn't even know it. That happens, guys, and I see it a lot. And the Lord is saying, and I'm not saying don't take the job. I'm not saying don't take the position. I'm not saying don't do that. But understand, the enemy is going to come at you. There, there are lines that as Christians we have to draw in the world and say, you know what? God first. God first. And that doesn't mean that, you know, that, that, does, that means above all things, my devotion lies with Him. And if something messes up my relationship with God, it's out the door. That's the stance that Christians should take with their lives. If so, You know, Greg Glory said to his wife one time when they first got together, hey, he who finds a wife finds what is bad. I mean, good. That's what it was. No, I, it, It's good. He who finds a wife finds what is good. He told his wife this. He said, I thought it was kind of rude at first. He looked at his wife and, and he tells the story. He said, I told her. I don't remember what her name is. Kathy, is that it? Kathy, if you ever get between me and the Lord. Don't, or no, he said, don't you ever get between me and the Lord. He was putting, he was drawing a line in the sand and saying God is more important And you know what? Some spouses don't want to hear that. But let me tell you something. Your spouse can't be the spouse they're called to be if they don't say that. It's impossible for them to be the husband or the wife they're called to be if God is not what he's supposed to be in their life. Listen, we take second chair to God. If we try and take first chair, we are trying to become like God, just like the enemy. Be careful that you're not, you don't choose something good over something far better, which is the good portion that Jesus wants to talk about this morning. There are four requirements that we find in our passage that will lead us to choosing the good portion. First and foremost, we find if you're taking notes, choosing the good portion requires welcoming Jesus in. Verse 38, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Now as the story unfolds, Jesus is traveling just to this little town called Bethany and it's just a couple of miles east of Jerusalem and just right over the top of the the Mount of Olives, just right on the backside, there's a little town called Bethany. That's where Martha and Mary and Lazarus lived. It says that Jesus encounters a woman named Martha. Now this tells us a little bit about their relationship at this point. You know, we know that Mary and Martha and Lazarus become really, really close with Jesus. It would seem at this point that they're not. That that they're, they, you know, to some degree. I mean, MacArthur suggests that maybe even this is their first. This is their first uh, um, first meeting, perhaps. We don't know. But, but, but the fact is that it seems like the way it's presented, a woman named Martha, not a friend named Martha or a disciple named Martha. She, she is a disciple. She's a worshiper of the Lord, but, but a woman. So there's no personal touch there. She's just a woman. He encounters this woman named Martha. And, and what does she do? She welcomes Jesus into her house. Now, now, the word welcome there is not just simply to be hospitable. It literally means to take under one's care as if to place hands and arms under a person or a thing as if to bring them in to receive them. That's what it means to receive them. It's not just showing somebody hospitality, but it's to receive them into your home. The home. The most intimate place on earth. The place that you are your true self welcoming Jesus into her home. She was receiving him into her home. Now you can tell a lot by a person by looking at their home, can't you? You can tell a lot by if you're a slob, listen, your house is going to show that. You know, if you're a clean freak, your house is going to show that. Your house speaks. It it takes on the character of you. Right? It does. You know, here's the thing. If you pop into somebody's house, that's them. That's who they are. We don't do that, of course, because most people would consider that to be absolutely rude to just pop in. But Jesus just popped in here. Not like Martha had time to go clean her house up, get everything ready. Because Jesus is coming to town. No, no, he just showed up. Back in this day, they didn't have phones to call people. They didn't have people, you know, they, it's not like they had text messages. Hey, you mind if I come over in 15, 20 minutes? Ah! You know what I mean? Some of you do. They didn't schedule visits. Listen, some of you guys, if somebody popped in, I, I, I'll say, for us. It, even when people come over, we don't really get it all done. We don't really worry about it too much because it's who we are. But, but the deal is that when um, I would stress out more about it than my wife, she would tell you. But listen, when, if you were to pop in to some of your guys' homes, it would be like an extreme home makeover session, you know. Ty Pennington on hand, you know, just like, ah, we got to get this done, you know, come on, go, 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 go. You know, you're, you have to rearrange your entire house. Jesus is just popping in. And Martha's welcoming, receiving Him in to her home, to the most intimate place where she lives. You can tell a lot about a person. Mar- Martha's not too concerned about Jesus showing up. She doesn't have anything to hide. She's not hiding books that she shouldn't be reading. She's not hiding magazines she shouldn't be reading. She's not hiding the channel changer or the DVR You know, um, messages that are being watched and all that kind of stuff. She has nothing to hide. She receives Jesus into her home. She wants Jesus in her home. She longs for Jesus. She's choosing the good portion. If you you choose the good portion, you're welcoming him in to the home of your heart. You're welcoming him into your life. The the idea is to receive Jesus, right? I mean, we can't just simply confess Jesus as Lord, but we have to receive him in. That means that he is literally crown king. He's the Lord of our lives. He is the, the king of our hearts. Not simply some ruler. That has, not not some monarch, that rules but doesn't reign. He has to reign in your life. And in order for that to happen, you have to bring him in. But Jesus won't force you to do that, will he? No, he's a gentleman. Revelation chapter 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Jesus pops in to the door of your life, and he knocks on it. And he says, if you hear my voice and open the door, then I will come in and eat with you and he with me. He wants to come in. He wants to be received in. He wants to dine with you, literally to be intimate with you, to become one with you. That's what it means to dine. To break bread with someone back then would mean a great deal. It's not like you're just popping by a subway to grab a sandwich for 15 minutes. This was a big ordeal. To have a meal with somebody. And during that meal process, if you were having fellowship with a brother or sister, whatever you ate, you would, it was common. So if you would have a piece of bread, you would take a piece of bread, and they would take the bread and they would split it, and now you're partaking of what they have as well. The same thing. You're becoming one with them. That's how intimate the meal was back then. But check this out. There were times where at a meal, where, where they would have a special meal like the Last Supper, where they would take the bread and they would dip it in the sop and then they would put it in their friend's mouth. Not, not eat it themselves, but they would cut it and take it apart and they would dip it in and they would put it in the, their friend's mouth, the person sitting next to them. And what they're saying is, you're my brother and you're my sister or you know, you're, I care intimately for you. I love you and I would die for you. That's what they're saying when they would do that. It's an incredible intimate thing to do that. It's saying that you respect them, that you honor them, and in some cases, that you forgive them. Meals would also be meals of reconciliation where they would come together as brother and sister, or brother brother and brother, or sister and sister, and they would they would sit down and they would say, hey, you know what? I need to get reconciled with you. And they would take that, that bread and dip it in the sop and they would put it in the friend's mouth and say, forgive me or I forgive you. It's, it's, it recon, we want to be reconciled. That's what he means. Jesus wants to be reconciled with us. We're partaking of a meal today. We're partaking of the Lord's Supper. The bread and the cup. The idea, the bread and the cup, the fact that Jesus is saying these are the elements of reconciliation right here. It took his blood to pay for your sin. It took his body to be beaten, brutally, uh, brutalized for you and I. And as we partake of that, we're saying, it's as if Jesus himself is putting his bread in the sop in your mouth and he says, I love you, I did die for you. I do love you. I want intimacy with you. I do forgive you in the cup. Remember that when you partake this morning. You're reconciling with. And I would say, and I think the Bible would say, that if you have something against your brother or your sister, that you would depart the table and that you would make it right with that brother or sister. Oh, I can't do that. That would be embarrassing. It's biblical it's what Jesus would have us to do why because we can't sit at the table with Jesus and say forgive me Jesus and hold withhold forgiveness from somebody else Jesus would say you're being a hypocrite and so he's telling us here this is a meal I want to dine with you but make sure that you are willing to forgive those around you or make sure you're willing to reconcile with your brother and sister. It's a serious thing to take the Lord's Supper, to to partake of the body and the bread of Christ. He did die for us. He did. That's why we take it in reverence and in remembrance of what He's done for us. Because I don't know about you, but I need to be reminded of the forgiveness that I need so that I can be forgiving to those around me. And to be constantly reminded of that because I have like a, a one-track mind. It's, it's focused on me. Anybody else have that problem? Where you're just kind of focused on yourself and you forget that, that God says, no, focus on, on, others, on me and others, not, not yourself. And so this time every month I have an opportunity to look at what Jesus did for me and I say, man, Lord, examine my heart. Is there anything in my heart? Is there things that I need to get right with the Lord? Dining was an intimate process. Jesus wants to become one with us. He wants to reconcile with us. But we must first welcome Him in. We've got to welcome Him in. Martha did that. She welcomed Jesus into the most intimate place of her life, but she didn't stay there. She will depart from it. Mary, however, she chose the good portion. Look at verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to His teaching. In order for you and I to choose the good portion, we must have, listen, if you're taking notes, the proper posture. You and I are going to choose the right, the good portion, we have to have the proper, the proper posture. What's the posture? Mary's modeling it for us right here. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus. This is a posture of a disciple that, would, that would, a disciple would take towards their teacher. Paul confirms this in Acts twenty two thirty three, where he said, I am a Jew born of Tarsus of... Uh, uh, what is that? How do you say that word? Cilicia. Sorry. Man, my brain's like checking out. Anyway, but brought up in the city, educated at the feet, listen, of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are this day. Uh, Paul was educated. He was a disciple. He sat at the feet of Gamaliel. He, you can read about him in Acts chapter 5. He gives some great advice to the council there when they're worried about John and, and Peter sharing the Gospel. He says, guys, why are you messing with this? If it's the Lord, it's just going to continue to forge on anyway. We don't want to fight against the Lord, but if it's not, it will fade out. Just leave it alone. This, this guy was one of the most masterful teachers around during... This day, Paul sat at his feet. During biblical days, a rabbi would sit on a platform, his legs crossed, and his students would likewise sit on the ground at his feet. It was a sign of discipleship, which is great, except for in this culture where Mary is, it was unacceptable for a woman to be taught like that. It was unacceptable for a woman to come and sit at the feet of a rabbi. Most rabbis didn't think women should be taught at all, which isn't correct. That's not the Lord. But that's, that was the culture they lived in. Now, a woman would be permitted to sit in the back of a room or something, and she could listen, but she couldn't sit at his feet. She, she couldn't take the position of a disciple. She'd be, she'd be okay to come into a synagogue and sit in the women's section, but she couldn't take the position of... A disciple, and I like the fact that Jesus busts up the cultural boundary here where he says, no, you're at your rightful place. You can be a disciple. You come and sit at my feet. You come and sit here. The Lord didn't put those rules in place. Man did. Man put those rules in place. Mary wanted intimacy with Jesus. She wanted to learn from him. She was there. Listen. Listen. She was there to hear and to learn from His Word. From His Word. She was concerning herself with the only thing that matters, Jesus and His Word. If you and I ever stand a chance of being successful at navigating through distractions of our lives, we must have the proper posture. We must remain at the feet of Jesus. Not standing as if we have something to offer Him but sitting saying Lord I need to receive from you because I don't have the I don't have the mental capacity the spirit the boldness I don't have what I need I must receive it from you you're my teacher teach me teach me how to navigate through this Lord you listen you can't listen to the culture when it comes to your issues you can not listen to the culture you can't listen to your well-intentioned friends you have to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to His Word. Listen to Him. Sometimes, you're going to go to your friend and they're going to say, hey, th- this is going on in my life because we, we should do that. You know, We should talk to each other about what's going on in our lives. However, we're not following our friend. We're not following anyone else. We're following Jesus. And when we come back with that information before the Lord and He says, no, that's not what I want know that there's going to be times where it's just you and him and nobody else gets it and your friend's going to get her feather, her 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 his feathers ruffled up because you didn't take their counsel but you're going to say you know what I'm standing on the word of God and this is what I believe the word tells me to do and I got you're not you're not going to um you're not in danger when you're asking Jesus to ask him to show you you're not in danger when you're sitting in his word and you're saying lord i need to know how do I deal with this? It's the right place to be Mary understood. I don't care if Martha gets mad. I'm sitting at the feet of Jesus. I don't care what the culture says. I'm sitting at the feet of Jesus. I need to receive from Him. It requires, choosing the good portion requires the proper posture. Thirdly, it requires discernment over the distraction. Look at verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she went up to Him And said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone, uh, left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Notice with me that Martha was distracted with much serving. This kind of brings to light what the issue is. It's not that she was serving, it's that she was distracted with much serving. She made this thing way more than it needed to be. In other words, Jesus is showing up at my place. I'm going to put on a show for Jesus. I'm going to do the very, very. Be- I'm going to bring the. I'm going to roll out the red carpet and make it extravagant. Great intention. Great intention. But you're departing from something for something. You're departing from something that's better for something that's good. What would be better is for you to make something simple and to sit at the feet of Jesus. But you rather would want to make something extravagant and miss that. The intimacy with Jesus. Wrong choice. Wrong choice. Jesus was, was telling you, you're distracted with much much serving. She was going way beyond. And not only that, but now she's mad at her sister. Because when you start to do things that are in, your, in and of your own power and, in, and of the flesh, you get irritated with other people when they're not on board with you. Come on, we need to do this. You know, we just got to man up and do this and kind of thing. And it's like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Uh Uh-uh. The Lord's not calling me to do that. Hey, more power to you. But you go, whoa, whoa. And then you get frustrated. And that's what happened to her. Martha, it, it wasn't that, don't misunderstand. It wasn't that Mary didn't serve. It's that Mary served Jesus with a simplicity and then chose the better thing that's what we should gather from the story not that she didn't serve at all because that would be wrong it's right to hospitality it's right to serve your brother your sister it's right to serve Jesus with 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 some level of you know everything that you have however it's wrong to choose serving over sitting at his feet you see because you gotta grow you gotta get under the spout where the glory comes out because if you don't you will be set off to the side distracted You won't be able to discern anything. That's where your discernment comes from, from the Lord. You need to sit at His feet. You need to receive from Him. As you receive from Him, He will give you discernment to know what is distraction and what is direction. I'm not sure which way to go, Lord. I need some direction. And the the enemy's throwing all kinds of distractions at you. You have to be able to tell the difference between what is His direction in your life and what is distraction from the enemy or from yourself, what you want. I tell you that the only way that you can do that is to sit at His feet, to ask Him. I have found, and I'm not, saying the Bible, I'm not going against the Bible verse that says there is a wisdom in the multitude of counselors. I'm not saying that that's not true, but what I'm saying is what I found is that there's confusion, great confusion, and, and, and maybe it's those that I ask but i have found to be myself to be confused when i go to multiple people and i ask them and they they all tell me something different maybe the right thing to do is say hey i want to talk to you but could you pray first before i come to you about this situation and then let me come talk to you just some free advice that was free wasn't in my notes <laughs> but but listen here's the thing mary martha Got so caught up in, in, what she, in her vision, for what she wanted for Jesus, that she wanted to drag Martha Mary down in the mud with her. And in her effort, what does she do? She goes off on Jesus. Uh, that's not a smart thing to do.? Why? I mean, she literally brings allegations against his affections for her. <laughs> do you not care? Do you not see me slaving over here and doing all these things for you, Jesus? And she sits there. Tell her to help me. And it's like, wait a second. In fact, what you just did was you said Jesus didn't care. You question the affection of the Lord because you took something on the flesh In your life, and Jesus isn't backing you, and now you're mad at Him because you don't have help. It was your fault, Martha. Don't you dare bring allegations against me as if I don't care. You ever done that to the Lord before? Or you don't care? You don't care if they just, if I don't get this done, you don't care if I lose my job, you don't care if I, well, hold on a second. That's a lie. And that's an indictment on the Lord. What are you doing? Don't do that. You see, we become frustrated in our lives when we, when we try and act outside of the Spirit of God. And, we, and, we, we, we try and we're trying to do... We're try, and it's in, and it's in, our intention is good. I'm trying to do what's right, Lord, but you're not following me exactly. I'm not following you. You're following me, so get on board with my plan. And if you don't know what it is, then sit at His feet. And don't just go forward. Oh, we're just going to go forward and forge forward. We're going to do it, Lord. We're just going to muster up the strength and you're going to get frustrated. Then you're going to bring allegations against the Lord. Listen, when you and I start to do things outside of the will of God and we, we take on the burden ourselves, we take on this self-induced work, there is no joy in that work. There is no satisfaction in that work. There is just toil and labor and frustration and temper tantrums. That's what she's doing here. I would say that, you know, I'm embarrassed to say that my kids have seen their dad throw temper tantrums before. Don't you guys throw temper tantrums and then I'm over there, you know, kind of thing? Don't you care, Lord? Kids, would you pray because the Lord doesn't care about me He's not hearing from me. Would you pray for me? You know, wait a second. He gets frustrated. The frustration of Martha turned into a full attack on Jesus, man. Not a good sign. Jesus doesn't even bother responding to that. He just says to her, look at what He says. The final point, verse 41. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about Many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled not about this one thing, but about many things. You see, this is a characteristic in her life. This is something that she continually does. She's continually distracted with her, with her own service to the Lord or service to whatever she's doing. It's about her. Everything's pointed inward in her life. Well, I've got to do this, and I've got to do that, and I've got to get this done. She's the she's the proverbial you know A type personality that's taking all the weight on her shoulders, and she's just like I'm. We got to do this, 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 and this, and this, 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 and this. There's nothing wrong with A type personality, but however, it can be you you can go way beyond what the Lord's calling you to be. We all can, but but here Martha is so focused on herself that Jesus says. All you're doing, can't you just see that all you're doing is producing anxiety and trouble in your life, Martha? You you need to learn the lesson. To choose the good portion. To to, to sit at my feet rather than than try and muster up strength and and exercise and, and go about your busyness. Don't do that. You sit at my feet and then you go. You don't go and then expect me to bless. You go with my instruction. You go by my leading by my spirit but aren't we supposed to take steps of faith yeah but the lord directs us in those steps if faith is not you just doing whatever you want to do and asking god to bless it you get that right faith is is the lord saying i want you to go i want you to go out there i want you to go talk to that guy at the gas station over there you don't know and uh, i want you to tell him this faith is doing that faith is simply obedience to god That's all it is. You're you're stepping out and you're saying, he's not asking you to go forward your own path. That's not faith. He's asking you to follow him. If you're following him, then what? He's told you where to go. He's told you where to go. Abraham didn't just step out and say, okay, Lord, come on, we're going, and the Lord's behind him. No, the Lord said, Abraham, get up and go, and I'll show you. And he said, get up and go. He had a command from the Lord. Don't depart from his feet until you have the word to go. Martha, you're going to just produce anxiety and a lot of trouble and stress in your life. Choosing a good portion requires making Jesus your priority. What is priority? That which comes first. That which comes first. We're required to keep Jesus first if we want the good portion spoken of here. The only way that we can consistently live life at the feet of Jesus is is if He's your priority. He has to be your priority. If you make Jesus your priority, you are going to reduce. You know, If Jesus is your priority, you're going to reduce a lot of anxiety and trouble in your life, I promise. If you just say, Lord, I'm going to make you the priority, I'm going to follow you. I'm not going to expect you to follow me. His yoke is easy. And His burden is light. And yet, sometimes we feel like pack mules that our legs are quaking as we're trying to. We can't, we don't think we can take another step. You sure the Lord called you to that? Because that's against what His word says. It doesn't mean it won't be hard, it doesn't mean that there, there won't be difficulties along the path. But what it means is that He will carry the burden, He will carry the load because He's called you to it. He has to be your priority. Jesus is saying, Mary, you're missing the big picture. One thing is necessary not seven not a list of 20 one thing is necessary me you forgot me Mary has chosen the good portion it will not be taken from her what are you choosing today what choices are you making where are they leading you you're walking down the street of life and every choice you make is taking you to a destination what destination are you headed for Jesus tells us to nav- to be able to navigate through the streets of life easily there's four four things that we can do here four simple things he tells us we can welcome him into our situation into our life as we're walking through life we just keep welcoming him in come into this problem that i have jesus Come into this, um, th- this parenting issue that I'm having. Come into you know this marital issue I'm having. to Come into this thing. I'm going to welcome you into this, Jesus. And I'm going to bear it all. I'm not going to try and hide what's going on in my life, but I'm going to welcome you in. That's the first step. You welcome Him into your life. But I'm a Christian already. Welcome Him into the, the, the problems that you're dealing with. Then you take the proper posture before Him. I am not teacher, you are. Show me, Lord. I need to receive from you. I need to b- bring it in for me, Lord. Help me to understand what it is. Thirdly, Lord, I know there's going to be forks in the road in this situation in my life, whether it's my marriage, my, my parenting, whatever it might be. I know that there's going to be distractions that will come along long way. I need discernment, Lord. Help me to know what's best in this situation. And fourthly, keep Jesus your priority. It's the only way that we can do this. It's the only way that we can navigate through the, 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 um, the roads of life and end up in the right destination is to keep Him first. Amen? Father, we thank You so much for this, this morning and just for Your Word. And I, I praise You, God, for just giving us clarity as to how to live our lives through this illustration of service. Mary got caught up in serving so much so that she lost the thing that was most important, You. And Lord, how easy that can happen. And I pray, Father, that You would help us today. If that's us, if we're distracted in life, if we have gone off the path, if we find ourselves at a dead end this morning, that You would speak into our lives right now. You would help us to take heed what Your Word just told us to do. To welcome You into to our life in this situation to take the proper posture to to get the discernment we need and continue to make you the priority of our life give us clarity today Lord we want to be intimate with you but we know you you want to be more intimate with us this morning father as your children we ask that you would help us to choose the good portion always As we prepare our hearts for communion, if there's anyone in this place that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus and they've never welcomed Him into their life, you want to do that this morning before you partake. Partaking of communion is simply recognizing what Jesus has done for you on the cross. That He died for you, that He rose again from the dead. It's a recognition of that that being in relationship with Him. And this morning, if, if you're in that place, and you need a relationship with Jesus, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. I want to lead you through a simple prayer. We don't want you to partake of communion. It's a serious thing, and we don't want to do it in a way that wouldn't honor the Lord. It's for believers. And if you're not a believer this morning, it's a a step of faith to become one. You just say, Lord, I need you this morning. I need forgiveness. I want to be forgiven for my sin. If that's you this morning, and you need forgiveness, I just ask you to raise your hand as we continue to pray all heads bowed and all eyes closed. We're just asking the Lord to move in the room. If there's anybody that needs the Lord today, want to be reconciled to God, maybe you need to rededicate your life to Jesus. You say, man, I just figured I'm in a dead end right now. And I thought I was walking with you, Lord, but I'm really not. If that's you this morning, lift your hand. Is there anybody here? Amen. Well, hey, we can partake freely this morning then, can't we? Praise the Lord. The the elements will be distributed, and uh, we'll partake of communion together. Thanks for listening. You can hear more of Pastor Tim's studies through the Word of God on our website, www.calvaryofcolumbia.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again as we continue to study God's Word.